0: Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com.
1: I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste
0: of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network,
1: broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org
0: for thousands more.
1: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Today is December 1st, 2015. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. We have a special show today, welcoming our old friend Garrett Oliver to the show. And we're also ha- happy to welcome back uh, our fall co-host, Stephen Villand, and our winter co-host, Anne Becerra, and also our good buddy, Kyle, from from the Randolph Bar. So this show is brought to you by Union Beer Distributors, supplier of world-class ales and lagers. If you have any questions for us, you can tweet us live at beer. Underscore session So let's get to beer So we've been joking around Stephen, and Ann, and, and Kyle You're new to the show We've been joking We have Garrett Oliver on And some guest listeners Have already said Hey, this is your best guest This is the guy we want to, want to listen to But you, you've really got a great story And uh, I think of the explosion Of so many new breweries And everything it, It's just a privilege To have you back What they the said studio. actually,
2: Jimmy Is he talks a lot <laughs> Which is not actually The same thing But I appreciate the thought That's it Now
1: does. we're setting this day, the tables This is how we're going to be um, we're going we're gonna to drink a couple of beers and, and get our, our bearings, because uh, we've all had long working days in the industry. You know, Stephen, everybody say a little bit about what they do in the beer industry, because we've got some great people in this room.
3: Sure, yeah, this is Stephen Valland, uh, owner of Brooklyn Brew Shop. Uh, we make beer-making kits, sell them all over the country. Just recently did a great one with uh, Garrett and Brooklyn Brewery, so you can make uh, sriracha Ace. And, um, yeah, it's a fun holiday time. Good one.
4: Hi, I'm Kyle Kinsrew. I'm uh, general manager at Randolph Beer, and also a certified cicerone. So, best part of the job, I get to pick the beer as we get to drink.
3: Well, welcome to
1: the show. You were just you just featured in an article in Brooklyn Magazine with your yeah. Thanksgiving beer picks.
4: Yeah, I got to pick uh, Transmitter, um, the uh, beer to guard they have there, which is a great you know beer to pair with just about every bit of the Thanksgiving feast. So it's really cool for Nico to do that.
1: Well, I'm glad to have you on. I'm sure we'll have you on again too.
5: Hi, Jimmy. And Vasera here of uh, Blind Tiger and Taproom 307. And pretty much anything having to do with beer, I'm in it. Writing and teaching that's and right. talking, all that jazz.
1: And that's why I'm here, and we're excited to have you on. <laughs> I'm this
5: excited week. to be here. Yeah. Thanks.
1: And Garrett,
2: welcome to the show, man. Well, about half an hour ago, I was pouring cocktails, so I don't know what all you, any of you talking about. <laughs> where, where were you pouring cocktails? Uh, in the offices at the brewery. You know, we're working on a, on a beer that's based on the old fashioned, which is probably overall my favorite drink, the one I make the most. And so we were working out, um, you know, uh, all the, you know, various spices and things that go into the bitters fraction. Uh, you know, very, very tricky. It's, uh, it's going to be fun. We have a nice, a nice rye beer in the barrel for about uh, nine, ten months now. Strong rye beer. You know, already infused with some spices. And then we're going to, you know, bring the rest of it up to kind of give us the, uh, you know, the bitterness of gentian root and all the other things that are going on there. So it's fun to tease that stuff out.
1: That's definitely a beer that I want to try when it comes out.
2: should be fun. Do you have a name for it yet? Improved Old Fashioned. Oh, yeah. You know, why? <laughs> why, why, you know, why get cute? <laughs> you know, when, when we were first sitting around before,
1: we were sitting at the bar. Roberta's out here in Bushwick. And we wanted to say, what, what would we talk to you about? We kind of came up with the idea of talking about your greatest hits. But why don't we talk about this, this, this latest hit? If, if, if you're, what's the process of planning out a beer like this? Because you definitely put a lot of thought into it. And, you, and you've been such an innovator.
2: Well, you know, first of all, I'm going to protest on behalf of the other guests, <laughs> of which there's a whole <laughs> room full. You know, they're going to get awfully bored if I you know, go on about, uh, you know, about greatest hits. Um, but on this particular subject, it's uh, it's a fun one. You know, the I often say that my, my nearest peers in many ways are not really winemakers, but, but chefs and also cocktail makers are, are people who really, uh, you know, have a very special thing going on because they can try flavor combinations in almost infinite variety you can try 15 or 20 things even in an afternoon whereas a brewer uh can only move so fast you know if you're a winemaker you're moving even more slowly and you only have one ingredient you know and so uh seeing the creativity with which people put together ingredients is fascinating and i've always loved the tension uh of a good old fashioned, which if you step over the line a little bit too sweet a little bit too bitter whatever and it goes out of balance it's no longer a great drink but when it's done correctly it's beautiful
1: so what about you Stephen? if you were making a an old-fashioned inspired beer what would you put in it
3: uh yeah we actually we we um we put one out over the summer uh it was, it was pretty fun um but yeah we used uh like citrusy citrusy hops um we added like oak chips soaked that you can soak in bourbon and rye, which is a pretty easy way at home to get some hint of of that rye character, and um, and yeah, just make it make a boozy and pretty light in alcohol, and try not to go too too heavy on the sweetness.
1: Garrett, you've made some other uh, cocktail inspired beers, haven't you?
2: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, the uh, the first one was back in uh, uh, 2007 or so. You know, call Manhattan Project, obviously based on the Manhattan. Did that with um, uh, with Dave Wondrich. Um, who's probably the greatest cocktail historian in the world and, and a great writer um, and a good friend. And, uh, you know, later on, uh, we ended up doing a beer, which was originally called a tonic. And then the TTB told us that we were promising a medical benefit. Um,
5: <laughs> Technically. And,
2: uh, well, it's like maybe in 1850. But, <laughs> you know, I don't think anybody goes to a doctor and says, here, take this tonic. You know, you'd be a little bit worried. Um, no, so uh, there was a beer based on the penicillin, uh, which is uh, an unusual cocktail scotch, ginger, honey, and lemon. And it was one of the uh, more controversial beers that we ever did, I'll put it that way. Uh, we loved that beer, and some people did. You know, Draft Magazine called it one of the top 25 beers of that year. And it was usually the first to kick at festivals, but some people really, really hated it. You know, and it's uh, it's always interesting with these things because um, you know, you're if you're putting out a beer that mimics something, you almost have to wonder: well, do people know what the original is? In the case of the penicillin, clearly they would not, and so will it stand by itself? I think the part we didn't figure out was that people, you know, people will not have necessarily got the basic information. This is based on a cocktail that has scotch, ginger, honey, and lemon. Like eight ten words, we put out all this material, but when it got to the bar, in many cases, the bartender would just say, "New Pale Ale from Brooklyn Brewery."
5: <laughs> and yeah. so,
2: is that how you sell it? In
1: you-
5: uh, that's not how I sell it, but that's how I hear it quite a bit. <laughs> Things like that, at least.
1: Can, can you sell a, a, a complex beer?
5: Absolutely. I think the most important thing with any of these, you know, complex beers, is providing context. And I feel like it's the same with sours. It's the same with something overly hoppy. For people to understand what to expect and when they get it, it's not such a shock to their system. You know, introducing people to sours, a light sour saying, You drink lemonade, right? Think about this or an oaky old world red wine or something like that, they're expecting something more a little more unusual and it's not such a shock and they're a little more open minded. And
1: what about for you, Kyle?
4: Yeah, I mean some of my favorite interactions with, with people at the bars are when they're like, Oh yeah, let me have a Bud Light. Like, well, I don't have that, but I have this. And it's introducing them. So being able to take a beer like, you know, what would have been similar to the penicillin and being able to introduce that flavor profile to somebody that's never even, you know, would have even thought about ordering that is really cool because you get to see that aha moment in their eyes and they light up and like, oh my gosh, I never knew beer could taste like this. (laughs) And you're like, yeah, beer can taste like so many, you know, varied flavors. It's, It's amazing. So that's one of the greatest things, you know, is you be able to teach those people.
2: But it often takes a lot to put these things together. I mean, uh, the scotch we got from distillers, you know, peat smoked malt. Um, so that fraction, it was obviously a barrel-aged beer. Uh, you know, we had a very hard, you know, we use a lot of honey anyway from uh, upstate New York, so no problem there. But, you know, ginger, how to use the ginger? We tried a whole bunch of different ways, ended up with frozen minced ginger from a very good company. Um, 33 pounds per 50 barrels. Done like dry hopping, we had to test that out, you know, so that we'd know what it would do. Um, And then finally, the lemon juice, I figured, okay, we can get some kind of frozen lemon juice or, you know, something. Um, Every lemon juice I could find in the United States had preservatives in it. Every single one. I could not find just straight lemon juice with no, you know, with no antioxidants or whatever else, because uh, lemon juice turns brown, and people don't want brown lemon juice, so um, uh, uh, I actually, we actually ended up getting lemon juice from Italy. It was organic lemon juice from Italy and it came one liter at a time. We emptied two pallets,
3: <laughs> you know, two or
2: three pallets. I still get emails from that company wanting, you know, wanting more orders for, uh, you know, for their lemon juice. Come on. You know what? You need some more lemon juice, don't you? Um, But, you know, that was a great beer to be able to do. Um, But sometimes I think you run into, and I'm sure the bars run into the same thing, when you have a complicated beer. I mean, we had one recently called uh, Quinticeratops that, uh, you know, aged in rum barrels. It was rum and bourbon barrels, but mostly rum. Um, And the thing that I miscalculated, in a way, was that people aren't, you know, I'm a cocktail geek, so I'm used to really funky rum. When I think rum, I don't think Bacardi. I think like Smith and Cross, things like this. And serious rum is really, really funky, um, and uh, it's a uh, scary funky for people who aren't familiar with it. But I'm so used to it that I didn't I'm think of it as a with weird it flavor. Good,
1: like real barrel aged dark rum.
2: Yeah, and it tastes like you know blackstrap molasses, you know sulfur, you know. Um, and uh, Dave Wondrich wrote some great articles about it. I mean, how, you know, it was so terrifying for a lot of people. They kind of stopped making it for a while. When we got that beer to Sweden, people loved it. And I was like, I can't figure out why they love it. And other people are like, uh, I don't know. And it's partly because they drink this Swedish punch that's full of Arak. And Arak is this really, like, palm-based, funky spirit that is very similar to those types of rumps. And they're like, yeah, of course we know this flavor. You know, but... Um, some people have loved that beer and some people have really hated it. I got an email just today. It's like, man, it tastes like this and that and the other thing. I'm like, yeah, I know. I I I love that. <laughs> Let's talk about but, the, you know, the beer. What, what have, can you do? Uh,
1: the beer we have in glass right
2: now. I'll take a little more of it. It's really sure. great. Oh I don't I am not drinking it. <laughs> yeah, come on. And <laughs> you get some here.
1: And I'm, I'm I'm amazed at the number of beers. Let's talk about the beer in glass and then, then I want to talk to you about Sweden too. So.
2: Cheers. So this is uh this is insulated lager. It's a new uh, you know, a new winter beer. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers everybody. It's
5: a great sound. Cheers guys. The
2: uh the church bells as we say. Yeah. Um, and so uh, the you know, the call here was for a really a drinker, so to speak. You know, it's you're going to stay in the pub for like 3 or 4 pints. You know, what are you going to have? Um and I wanted something that was dry enough for you to want to stick with it. It had just enough roast and other characteristics to keep it interesting, but it wasn't jumping all over the place and like beating you over the you know beating you over the head. You know, it's a uh, it's kind of a, a good conversationalist. You know, and it can go with a lot of foods and 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 hang out. Um, and so it's based on Schwarzbier. Um, you know, a lot of uh, you know beat, uh, debittered. Um, roasted malt, et cetera. Uh, but just getting that balance right, you know, just enough bitterness, just enough. It's I, a, I love
1: this beer. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's what I'm looking for, too. Like a good black lager, Schwarz beer. A little more color, and I think more people are, are open to drinking this.
5: And what about, the heavier foods, too, in the winter. What about perfect. for you
1: guys at your bars? Would this go over well?
4: Yeah, I actually just had this the other night with some chocolate chip cookies, and it was fantastic. <laughs> some oatmeal chocolate chip cookies. It was perfect. And it was after, actually after a couple glasses of wine. So it was really refreshing, kind of refreshed my palate and wasn't kind of like more of the same. It was, it was really good.
1: Steve, what, what, have you ever made a, a beer of this style, like a black lager?
3: I haven't made too many uh, short beers. I mean, when you when you are brewing at home, it's uh, not a style that you um, that is the easiest to, to recreate, mainly because it takes a little time and needs a, a little you know an extra fridge that's a little colder than your than your um, than your room and a little warmer than your fridge. So uh, usually stick to ales for the most part. But this is uh, really nice, and I really like how the I'm deep it is. Sure. I oh. mean,
1: it's evolved, right? I mean, I, I know when when you first got started, you were inspired by your trip to England. You're talking about cask beers and different flavors. Um, do you feel like that people are coming full circle now, like appreciating?
2: Oh, I mean, yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, I just got back from the UK. We're finishing up a project. Um, you know, actually, I have one beer that's kind of similar to it. We've, you know, we've had, you've had some of these beers before that we've uh, aged on wild sediments from other fermentations. So uh, usually they've been based on mm-hmm. wine fermentations. So wild yeast from wine fermentations. In this case, it was a cider fermentation. It's the it's uh, the Lancelot, the one with the purple. Uh, might take a little bit of work to get through that, but I'm I I'm sure that I'm gonna say like <laughs> I, I, I think you're I think you're not gonna have any problem here. Um, I can't guarantee that it's not gonna be frisky after the car ride. So. You know, I'll like,
5: give it a little TLC.
2: Yeah, <laughs> no. I'm got, you, you, know, no got, what, what I was basically <laughs> saying is, don't open it in your lap. <laughs> <laughs> I have made mistakes like that before. I
1: know this is this is a great day, man. Um, so Sweden, let's just talk about that because we're kind of going backwards. So you have traveled the world, you've done so many great things. How did you guys end up doing a project in Sweden and? and Tell us more about the culture and, and what they expect from their palate over there.
2: Well, you know, Sweden is an interesting case because um, people kind of wonder. They say, Yo, you know, you sell a lot of beer in Sweden. And they get over there and like, oh, my God, you're everywhere. And we've been, we've been there for like 12 years. Um, and not just sending beer there, but going there. We've been there like every year. Um, you know, many of us. I've been traveling to Scandinavia since you know, 2003 on a really regular basis. So, you know, we have relationships and, uh, uh, you know, Carlsberg actually is our importer over there. And it was really started with them. They looked at this great historical site um, on the, uh, you know, on the uh, uh, on the harbor uh, in this uh, area called Hamadbisha Stad. And uh, <laughs> well, I trying to say how to practice. <laughs> <what> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Bless you. Yeah. Hands
2: ready for it. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the brewery is called Noia Kanagia Bregeria. So uh Can you say that again one more time, please? (laughs) No, you kinda get but i got to eat it. Um and so uh yeah I'm starting to you know I'm starting to get to the point where people don't turn around. It's a New Carnegie Brewery. Um And named after the Carnegie, uh, the old Carnegie brand, Carnegie Porter, which of course is quite famous, and the oldest trademark in Sweden of, of any type. I
3: didn't and that. so,
2: I yeah, know know that either. So uh, we're kind of bringing br- bringing that back, and it's a you know it's a joint venture, and you know we've got a, a head brewer there, uh, Honors Vendler. So Honors Vendler, uh, when we hired him, was simultaneously the technical director of the second largest brewery in Sweden, and the champion home brewer of Sweden. At the same time.
4: <laughs>
2: that, that You're saying it's a small country? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, well, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that no one man should have all that power.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so you gave him more. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> but for you, it must be a great
1: experience being part of that.
2: It's tremendous. And, uh, you know, we've started holding technical conferences there. Uh, and we get all the brewers in Sweden together. And, you know, we, uh, we, we exchange information, etc. I'm going to be over there next month. Um, you know, again, uh, hanging out in uh, in Malmo and uh, and in Stockholm, and uh, you know, not my favorite month maybe to be in you know in <laughs> Stockholm, but I've been there so many times that literally, like, I walk into shops and things, and people are like, "Hey, how are you doing? How's the brewery?" I mean, like, people people know you, so I got my favorite restaurants. You know, we
1: we have many listeners for the show in Sweden who've come to the states and visited us. So, th- what's the craft beer scene like there? You know,
2: it is, uh, it's pretty vibrant. It is a small country, so you've got about 10 million people. Um, but you've got about, I'd say at this point, probably about 70 breweries, 70 or 80 breweries uh, at least. And they're in a phase where it seems like one opens every five days, kind of like here. Um, and so it, it's really very interesting to watch the, uh, the evolution.
1: That's great. All right. We're, start- we're off to a great start on, on, on our new show tonight, and we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right.
6: Hi, this is Harry Rosenbloom, host of Feast Your Ears here on Heritage Radio Network. This is my first season as a host, but at the Brooklyn Kitchen, we've been supporting Heritage Radio for many years. and. I really believe in what Heritage does. It is a fantastic network that really highlights everything that is going on in food in America, from restaurant openings to farms uh, to my show, where I feature interesting people with interesting stories related to food. But Heritage is a not-for-profit. We don't make any money. Uh, Most of the hosts do this because we love to do it, and we really do need your help as listeners. We'd love to have you listen, whether you can give any money or not. The website will still be up. You can still stream your favorite shows. But if you do like the programs here on Heritage Radio, we really would encourage you to go to the website, heritageradionetwork.org, click on the beating heart in the upper right-hand corner, and give whatever you can. If you drink coffee every afternoon, while you listen to shows on Heritage, then maybe you can give us the cost of a cup of coffee once in a while. If you want to become a larger member, there's all kinds of great things you get if you become a member of the station and a larger supporter. So please join me, join the Brooklyn Kitchen, join our other great sponsors, and become a member.
5: All right.
1: Hey, welcome back to Fear Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. And you're, you just heard that message. Uh, we are uh, HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Go there. If you're not a member, become a member. If you're not a business member, become a business member. If you want to support us, check it out. We're going to have some messages uh, later in the show about how you can get more involved in Heritage Radio Network And if you org.
2: don't, Stephen's going to kill this puppy, which, frankly, I think is terrible. <laughs> it's not. Terrible. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's awful. I mean, I know you want to help the station, but I mean. I don't
3: like the way it's looking at me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And That's just, do yeah, Don't do it, Steve. Aaron, I mean, how you know,
1: much money do we need to raise tonight? I know it's a
2: lot. It's a lot of, but it's so cute, though. Come on, it,
1: get on the microphone. Aaron. 5, how tonight. much money do you need to raise? Because get get Garrett over here so he, he can convince people to do. Yeah, a lot
4: of things. Well, we are we are five thousand dollars short of our Giving Tuesday goal.
1: <laughs> so Garrett said, "Wait, there's a puppy here."
2: Really. It's just, it's just... That was the only sound effect I had for you. Sorry, he's got a puppy in the room. <laughs> what's going to happen? No, no. You know, Stephen said awful it's things. Just, I mean, what can I do? for You know, just I mean, a couple of he, you know, he looks he looks so you can nice, do it, guys. You know, but uh, you know, it's always the calm ones.
1: So, what do we go, Aaron? What do we do? We go to heritage dot and what can we do?
4: You click to save on that, that puppy. Yeah, you you click on that big bleeding heart, and you select Make a Donation, and then in the drop down menu, you can actually select that Beer Sessions Radio sent you, and you can write us a message about. What we should do to save the puppy.
1: Man. <laughs> I think it's a no. viral thing. You know, yeah. we're going to start <laughs> dumping buckets Aspect of water on air our air heads. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. The alert's like, a new car. No. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and then Garrett will send you a new car. Yeah, <laughs>
2: exactly. Just keep that Please, in the notes. People. Please.
4: Thank you. That's well, so d- generous of you, Garrett. I appreciate it.
2: So you got a beer in the glass. We got a beer in the glass. This is what this is all about. It's called Lancelot, it's one of the ghost bottles. So those are. The many things. Um, I think we figured out this this year. We 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 tried out about seventy different things, um, and this is one of my favorites. Uh, it's a. One version. second, care.
1: Tell us what Ghost Bottles is, because y- you guys have this great place, Bre- the Brooklyn Brewery in Williamsburg. And you're doing a lot of cool things.
2: Yeah, well, there the, are the beers that you see and the, the beers that you don't see, uh, and the beers that you don't see actually outnumber the beers that you do see. <laughs> um, and so there's a lot of things that we make for ourselves. They are small projects. Sometimes they can't be replicated. Sometimes we can get ideas from them. And one of them is taking wild yeast from those other fermentations and adding them into beer in barrels for long periods of time and letting the wild yeast of the countryside take over the beer. In this case, the, uh, the underlying beer was Sriracha uh, spent a year uh, in a wine barrel. With Lee's uh, from uh, the Bellwether Winery in upstate New York, great winery that uh, is, made, is doing 100% natural fermentation. Not so many people are doing and it. And they're a great cider maker, too. Yeah, they're great yeah. cider makers as well. Uh, we've done stuff with Oyster River uh, here in the States, with Tom Oliver's in the UK, uh, um, right here in town with uh, with Red Hook Winery, You know who we first did that with. So wherever we can find natural yeast sets, you have a uh, an opportunity to express a piece of countryside through its biology. And so what happens is that whatever small amount of residual sugar is left in the beer, in the case of uh, Sriracha Ace, it's very low, 1%. This beer now has no residual sugar at all. Um, and so all the all the sugar has been eaten by the wild yeast. You have some natural Brett going on. Uh, you don't have acidity, not much anyway. Um, but uh that, that's just, a
1: good point. Let's let's ask our our tasting panel here cuz you're saying that there's hardly any sh- residual sugar. To me this is a very dry beer. How do you have a dry beer without being acidic or sour?
2: Well, I think that you know people often will look at, you know, uh flavors like brett and they think that they are related to sourness, which in fact they're not. So brett doesn't give you any acidity. Uh, but it often shows up in the same place at the same time, so people put them together. You know, in a lot of funky beers, sour beers, they will also have Brett in them. But it's lactobacillus of various types that are giving you the sour part.
1: And Anne, if you taste this, just talk us through your tasting notes. How would you taste this beer?
5: I'm gonna have to refill, so we're gonna have to start with it. <laughs> <laughs> it was too good. I know, you know, it's, know it's
1: great. I'm on my second. But glass. that
5: dryness, yeah, the fruity Third notes glass. and that the spicy yeasty flavors really just popped. And I
3: finished it. What about for you, Stephen? Yeah, I'm surprised. It like a nice, really soft character. It's uh, very mild, yet intensely flavorful. And um, it makes me want to... I mean, I love natural wine whenever I get the chance, so it's always... And I, you know, I'm obviously drinking tons ton more beer. So, whenever I can combine those two things, I'm uh, pretty much in a happy place. We're kind of where I, I wanted to go
1: some, somewhat talking about styles, but
3: I guess we can talk about tasting. Because
1: for me, I, I'm confused when I talk to customers. It's like people want a sour beer, and I know there's wild yeast beers. I, I don't really often know how to describe a sour beer to someone who wants a sour because everyone, I think, they have a different expectation well, of what a sour beer is going to be. You
2: know, it, it kind of brings up, you know, I brought a sour with me. Um, you know, and it's one that you'll probably see from us more widely in the spring. But, uh, my favorite line from the movie Spinal Tap, it's a fine line <laughs> between clever and stupid. <laughs> 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 and and I kind of feel that way about, uh, about sour beers. It's sort of like, okay, you know, uh, I'm not going to tell anybody like this far and no further, but like, um... Like, this is really nice and you just step just over the left and that's not nice anymore. You know, and 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 I think that in a way that uh, people refer to a lupulin shift, where people get so used to hoppy beers that um, their, their taste buds are almost skewed in that direction. They can't, you know, and it happens to people who are used to spicy food and things like that. And the same thing happens with sour beers where, you know, beers just aren't sour enough and they make them sour and sour and sour until there's a very tiny subset of people who can actually drink them. And I think there's a way of, uh, of providing a nice balance uh, for that. And those are really the sour beers that I tend to like. But I think the great brewers are great at that. Like Vinny So Russian River, those beers are always beautifully balanced.
3: Yeah, you always come back to balance is what you're really trying to go for. You don't necessarily want to drink a Warheads uh, in a glass. <laughs>
5: Quick question. Where did the idea come from to use the um, the yeast from other types of fermentation? How did that come about?
3: And can you give me a refill? Yeah, and, uh, right? <laughs> it's
5: like white. Oh, so good.
2: Well, one day I was visiting with my friends at the uh, at the Red Hook Winery, and uh, we're tasting some of their uh, their wines. And uh, Abe Scherner is their winemaker on the kind of more natural side. Um, he's quite famous, uh, you know, kind of one of the heads of kind of natural wine in the United States. And uh, they said, oh, we've got some lees for you. L-E-E-S, you know, the sediment at the bottom of the uh, – and I'm saying to myself, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you ever have somebody offer you what they, something they clearly think is a gift? <laughs> but, but, is you, but, yeah, but you don't really think it's a gift? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, well, don't why – Don't a gift horse in the mouth. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. why would I – you know, like, why would I want the lees? And they said the lees are magical. I'm like, Magical. Okay, so I take this bucket, and I throw it literally in the front seat of my car, Um, and I take it back to the brewery, and I said, we're going to fill a barrel full of Local One, our sort of strong golden, and we're going to add in these leaves. And everybody said, well, like, why? I'm like, I don't know. Let's see what happens. (laughs) And we went back to it six months later, and we were like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Like, do you have any more leaves? (laughs) Um, It was magical. Yeah, they were magical. So, uh, but it really—they have to be actual natural fermentations. That's what really makes it happen. If it's just regular fermentation from a regular winery, it doesn't work. And most people who say they're doing natural fermentation, about ninety-five percent of them are lying.
1: That's a great question. Let's jump back to your classics, Sriracha Ace. Kyle, tell us—you said you're featuring it and. In- Part yeah, of your we, beer program. I, I
4: love keeping the 22 ounce bombers of Sirachi Ace on at Randolph um, because we do a cheese and meat plate for two people. So it's great to have that. You know, you're sharing the cheese and meat. You can share the bottle of Sirachi And frankly, for me, it's one of the best pairings I've ever had because it just cleans up anything from the cheese, anything from the meat. It just kind of finds harmonies in each of the of the items on the plate. And, and it's great.
2: It's a great player with goat cheese, especially you got something like Westfield. Uh like West, Westfield, like bulk Chev, just, you know, bright, fresh, Massachusetts, you know, yeah, yeah Massachusetts Capricio, and yeah. it's just like, ta-da. uh, I don't know if you've had, have you had Lord Sriracha yet? The, uh, no. you know, the nine and a half percent version. It's kind of like, it's, it's essentially based on Bonvo on Dupont's Bonvo. Um You've uh, had it, Anne?
5: Yeah, we, we share. See, the Anne's same. great.
2: You can't she smiles a lot when she gets yeah, well, it. She's I, like,
5: I have she, it. Well no, I'm just I'm smiling. He, he and I share the same desert island beer of Cézanne DuPont, and when I hear him talk about the inspiration, I'm like, Yes, that's great. So to be inspired by that is even,
2: and even more it's exciting. you know, it's so it's a, a, a le Bon. Avec le bon vaut de la Bassi DuPont. So it's the it's a, with the best wishes of the DuPont brewery. It's the uh it's there is it's there basically a Christmas beer. And from nine point five percent, isn't it? Yeah, nine point five, yeah. maybe even ten. And uh, uh, from the first days of making Sriracha Ace back in 2009, I said, boy, this would be really fun to do, almost like in a Bonvo kind of fashion. So it's a big, it's a big bruising beer. It's 75 IBUs. It's very, it's really quite dry. Um, and it's, uh, uh, it's very intense. And people are like, wow, it goes down really easy. and I'm like, watch out. It's going uh, it's, to sneak up on you hit you in the back of the head. But you know, I love that beer, but it, uh, I'm a little bit scared of it.
1: <laughs> how, how did you first come up with
2: Srirachis? Really just uh, uh, checking out that hop. You know, it only was released in 2008. In 2009, I smelled it. And it was literally, you know, usually I want to say, like, I tasted it. It sounds so much better than I smelled it. You know, it's like, it's like oh, I tasted the grape. I tasted the whatever. It's like, no, I smelled that hop. Um, Or I rubbed it, but it was pellets. So in any event, uh, it's the only ingredient I ever, you know, checked out that kind of spoke to me. And I could have basically pulled up a napkin and written the recipe on it in 30 seconds. Like it was like a bolt of lightning and that was it. And, you know, people say, oh, does that happen to you all the time? I'm like, no, that was the one time, (laughs) you know, in 26, 27 years of professional brewing, that was the one time that ever happened. And is that something that you, you've carried a lot over the Sorachi's years? Soracchies is my, one of
5: my favorite beers. That Definitely one of my favorite beers that Brooklyn makes, one of my favorite American so beers. So if I
1: come in to Tavern 307 or Blind Tiger and you're behind the bar, wh- wh- what would you tell me about that beer? Why, how would you sell it to me? I'm like, I don't know what I want.
5: Well, you know, it depends on, I tend to f- ask people what they want and then find out what they like. So um, I'm actually bringing this on friday because i'm doing a segment about champagne lovers you know beers for champagne lovers and i think it's a great intro into craft beer because again the flavors are so welcoming it's effervescent it's bubbly it's dry it's incredible with food there's just so many pluses that it's if you don't like that beer i don't really know what your choice of it's alcohol also very would be. good with roast pork too you know
2: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you know it's, it's one of my you know favorite things about dupont is that it's uh you know, the word I used, you know, is uh, promiscuous, like it kind of goes with everything. You know, it's like it can go with the steak and it goes with the salmon, um, which is really an amazing uh, ability for it. And I think that Sriracha kind of has some of that going for it. And Stephen, you,
1: you, you made a, a beer kit. With the Sriracha Ace recipe, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. It was. It was an, I know it was a. It was an important beer to us. Uh, I remember when you poured um, like unmarked bottles of it. At, I think it was good beer at BAM uh, in 2009. It was. It was our very first beer festival that we participated in. So it always had a special, special place in our heart. So yeah, we um, brewed up a ton of test matches and uh, and I'm really, really happy with uh with uh, So how people can buy and, your uh, Brooklyn
1: Brew Shop kit. Yeah, and they can make their own homebrew.
2: Yeah, you can, you can recreate, cool.
3: recreate in your own kitchen uh, something. Yeah, and then you, you know, kind of uh,
2: keep tweaking it until you think that uh, you know it, uh, you know, it's going in the direction that you want. I think it's kind of it's kind of fun because that's what I do when I'm cooking. Yeah, you know, I often will get inspired by something I tasted in a restaurant, and you know, I say to myself like, basically, I'm going to go home and knock that off. You know, <laughs> and uh, there are like my crab cake recipe, which is up on our website. I basically stole that from Tabla, you know, Floyd Carter. <laughs> I miss that place. Oh, man, I miss that place. And um, uh, I feel slightly guilty because my, I don't know, it was 2005 or 2006, my recipe was published in the New York Times. Now, it wasn't like he told me what it was, but I kind of had teased it apart. And when he finally later came out with his own book and I saw his recipe, it was really almost exactly the same. And I was kind of ashamed and proud at the same time. I'm like, you know, I, I totally nailed that. You know, I think so. he copied your recipe. That's what uh, I know. I don't think so.
3: Publishers will often tell you if you change two ingredients, it's yours. <laughs> so For <there> any, <laughs> any aspiring writers out there. All right. Hey, salt and salt. We're going to take a short break.
1: We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right.
0: In 2006, L. Knife & Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com.
1: Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, once again, uh, org. Check us out, support us today, Trying to raise some money, and uh, we just put in a great new website. But uh, Garrett Oliver here, uh, he's really threatening. There's this puppy in the room.
2: <laughs> Look, I didn't threaten anybody. It's a you know, beautiful puppy, and you know, but Steve, you know, he just won't let go. You know, he's saying, like, if you don't, you don't raise some money, this puppy's going to get it. And, and like, you know, I would never do anything like that. too. You, I know. You a, know, rescue. I mean, he's already had enough trouble. And now look at this.
1: Somebody start this hashtag, Save the Puppy. And, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think Harry's Radio Network needs to raise another $5,000 today. So go to the site, org and what? Uh, save
2: uh, the uh, puppy. Uh, save, save the puppy. I mean, I'll, I'll come on. It. Yeah, come on, Stephen. What did it, what did it ever do to you? you know. <laughs> didn't, didn't didn't I know how to save the puppy <laughs> we 're
1: talking greatest greatest hits of Garrett Oliver tonight on this show, and it 's another reason to support the network because we 've got I don't know over 300 episodes with the pioneers of craft beer insider now, but um, Black Ops. I'm going to ask you about that that grape beer because when that came out a few years ago, I remember one night like these like regular customers came in and I they bought like six bottles of Black Ops 750 for six guys and they came in for it and so I know that people love it. I love that beer. How did you ever come up with that beer?
2: Well, I mean, it wasn't like it was uh, it was all that early, you know, in the uh, you know in the evolution of um Uh, of barrel-aged beers. So certainly, you know, there were other barrel-aged stouts that were already out there, but most of them were really big, sweet, uh, uh, you know, uh, monsters, you know, of of beers. And a lot of them tasted like they had uh, a shot of bourbon in them, uh, as opposed to being well-married. And I wanted to do something that was, in a certain way, more elegant. And a lot of those beers, actually, I like a lot of them. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I mean, I wanted to do something that had that element and was different and being a cocktail guy, you know, I was looking for something that's balanced. And so people often ask whether black ops is really a barrel age version of black chocolate style, which it definitely isn't. They have basically no ingredients in common, um, which is, uh, which is kind of interesting. And, uh, And Black Chocolate Stout, despite being not as strong, is actually a much more muscular beer, you know, in a lot of ways. Uh, You know, Black Ops is kind of designed, you know, for the barrel to kind of fill out, you know, its character. By itself, before the barrel, it's not, you know, it's a perfectly okay beer, but it's not what it becomes.
1: Black Chocolate Stout has
2: a little more roasted malt, doesn't it? Yeah, a lot more roasted malt. You know, uh, higher bitterness, um, you know, a lot more residual sugar it's a it's a really different beer and so um i think it's kind of an interesting expression of you know what we want to do with our our barrel aging program and we now have a uh yeah, well, you know this, but we have a, a you know a barrel house over at the Brooklyn Navy Yard. We can we can hold on to two thousand barrels at a time. Actually, I didn't know that. Yeah, which allows Did us. Did you food. know that? I knew and?
5: that, but I haven't been. Or are we even allowed to go?
2: Well, you're. I mean, uh, <laughs> we, we could bring you in and show and show it to you, but you know, I mean, the the Navy Yard still you need a, a pass to get in and whatever else. Such a cool you place.
3: Get, grab the bus in Dumbo.
2: Yeah. There's uh there, there are tours you know they, that uh, people lead you on. It's kind of a little museum there, and it's uh, it's it's a super cool place. Uh, but in any event, you know, I mean, what what happened though is that uh, I wanted to make barrel aged beer, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna make you know 100 cases, 200 cases, and the salespeople said to me like, oh no, whatever you do, like don't do not make this beer. I'm like, what's wrong with you? It's like we'll be killed. Like nobody can get enough. They have people become very happy. And the thing is, you know, it used to be in the old days, you remember the old days, the old days were great. You know, before the internet, you call, you, you call a guy up and you'd say, hey, buddy, I got a thing for you. It's like, oh, you got a thing? It's like, yeah, I got this thing. It's really good. I was like, yeah, send over the thing. So you send him the thing, you slide into the door, he serves <laughs> it to his, you know, to his people, it disappears, everybody's happy. And, you know, you made 40 kegs and there were 40 guys who wanted it, and that was pretty much it. Now... Fifteen minutes after the thing goes on draft, you get a phone call from Tony, from Tony's sports bar. You know, and the phone rings and you're like, you know, it's like, you know, Tony's got 15 screens and he sold 400 kegs of Brooklyn Lager last year. And now you're talking to him on the phone. It's like, you know, you know, uh, how are you doing, Tony? It's like, you know what, Garrett? I'm not so good. It's like, well, what's the, what's the problem? It's like, you know, it's like I heard you got this new beer with cherries. You know, and you saved it in a barrel for two years, and then re-fermented it with wild yeast, and everybody's talking about it. I don't see any down here at Tony's Sports Bar, and you're like, dude, you're a sports bar, you're great, but I mean, you come on, you're a sports bar. Now you tell me who I am. Now you tell me who I am. That's really nice. Now, you know, it's like you knew me before when I was selling the so 400 you, kegs of a really now don't, you don't know really me.
1: You do have a puppy and you're trying to
2: kill <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Unless you raise $5,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Save the puppy. But, and yeah, how is that for you? Like, I remember when Black Ops... Yeah, you, you Don't tell me you haven't been that person. What's you must have been I that person. So
5: you can ask. I'm not special that person. Special allocations
1: of special beers
2: I, like I, Black you know, Ops. Listen, I'm... Married. Even I'm that person sometimes. I,
5: well, look, I am blessed to be Save able to be puppy. in these places that get these... I understand how lucky I am to be in the bars I am and everything, but... You know, if I can drink it, I'm happy. But I see it happening all the time, and I feel so bad for the reps and the brewery people and with those small batch beers, and they come in and they're just getting pounded with calls. I'm taking you off draft because oh, how dare you not send it to me? And it's like you, you, damned if you do, damned if you don't, you know?
1: Well, I'll say this. I'm 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 really happy that I've had many black ops and i love it so when when does black ops come out it's this time of year Yeah, it,
2: it, it comes out in october late october you know so uh it's it's just out but i mean the first year it came out like we didn't it was basically the first ghost bottle we did not release it you know we uh, uh, we gave it away a case to everybody who worked at the brewery at the time there were like 38 of us so um everybody got a case at at the holidays and but then later you started hearing these stories like somebody would you know talk to you at a party hey my name's Tim it's like how are you doing Tim it's like I've had black ops <laughs> you know? and you take a step back like who are you why have you had black ops what are you doing here and they would tell you like a story about how they were connected to the brewery and finally we decided that if we really pushed hard we could get out maybe nine hundred cases and that's what we did the first year. And now it's not all that much more than that, you know, maybe a few times more. But I mean, it's, um, you know, all these are pretty small releases. So, uh, you know, Black Ops is still a pretty small release. You know, it's it's you know, it's a few thousand cases.
1: That's pretty special. And what are we drinking now? Because you've you've really gone like, I mean, from what we knew you as as Brooklyn, you know, black chocolate stout and you know Black Ops and Sriracha Ace, and I'm sure you can fill in the gap. Local one. Um, but but now it, there's all these special limited bottles which I think is brilliant. Do you think that as so do you think that the fact that Brooklyn Brewery stayed in Brooklyn and expanded the brewery there it, that was really a, a tipping point wasn't it for you?
2: Well it was. There were a few tipping points. I mean, when we started doing refermentation in the bottle, you know, in uh, in 2006 and really dedicated ourselves to that, really dedicated ourselves to the, to the barrel program. Um and, you know, we've been looking to do some, uh, you know, some sours, you know, that would be available to the public uh, for a few years now. But, you know, when you're running a, 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 a brewery where you have 25 people on the brewing team and you're you know putting quite a bit of regular beer out every day, you do have to be careful. You know, we take the quality side really seriously. And like we love Brett. We did a, a release, uh, uh, you know, a uh, wild horse that was 100 percent Brett Porter. Um, But, you know, you don't want Brett in your IPA unless you wanted to do a Brett IPA. Um, And so you have to be pretty careful about that. that, And we don't have a separate, totally separate facility for those. So we want to do Kettle Sour. And we've been working on it for a while. And we wanted to be able to make sure that we could replicate it. Um, And we really have our technique down pretty good. And uh, uh, I like this beer a lot. It's called Bel Air. Um, we'll probably release it in the spring. It's a, it's a dry hop kettle sour at about six and a half percent. That's what we're drinking now. Yeah. And it's it's a hop. Uh, the,
5: uh,
2: the dry hop is Amarillo. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's sour, but it's not scorching. I mean, you certainly, uh, it's, you know, it's quenching, it's dry, but it's really fruity. It has this tropical fruit kind of pineapple, uh, character Mm -hmm. to it. And I can kind of like drink this all day. Um, it was great. (laughs) And so this is kind of the balance that I like to see. I'm not saying I don't like any sour beers, but this is pretty sour for you know, uh, uh, you know. It's got quite a bit of, uh, you know, uh, of, a, of acidity, and it's interesting to kind of play around with that. And we have our technique down where we can nail it every time, um, and that's great. I like I like being able to do that.
1: You know, on that note, you mentioned amarillo hops, and I've I've seen some other breweries using that now. As you and your brewing team, you know, when you're kind of planning things out. What is it like to a get your hands on hops, and, and how do you have to plan for that when you make your beers?
2: You got to know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, you need to know two or three guys. You know, so it's one thing we've certainly paid a lot more attention to in recent years is uh, you know that uh, you you really have to go and know your farmers, um, and that's become increasingly important. We used to order hops as if they were commodities. Um, and it had a name and it had an aroma and a flavor like, you know, like you're a restaurant, you're ordering black pepper. Yeah, you didn't know the guy who grew the black pepper it was just black pepper. Um, rather than looking at the, the hops as one of the fundamental ingredients of what we're doing uh, and coming to know them as the people who grew part of your beer. Um, and what you find out, you know, is that uh, the hops grown by different. Uh, by different families and they largely are family farms. There are about 100 families in the United States that grow hops. Uh, many of them have been in business for about 100 years. And uh, uh, they all taste different. There is a terroir to hops. If you go taste you know, say Simcoe, grown by Peralt, Carpenter, you know, uh, 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 Loftus, etc. They all are distinctly different. There's a line of something going through the middle that says Simcoe but there's a lot of variation, and you need to know you know, what they're doing in order to hold the expression that you want for your particular beer. Uh, West Coast versus East Coast, there's a very big difference in what West Coast brewers generally so, want. the
1: Amarillo for this beer, where does that come from?
2: Uh, this is coming from um, uh No, I'm sorry. This is coming from uh, – this is Darren Gamash. You know, so this is a uh, that's Gamash Farms, Virgil Gamash Farms. That's in Washington Um, State. In Washington State, Tabornish. Yeah, I was just uh, Sunshine Ranch. I was just there, uh, and it's just fascinating to be in Yakima during hop harvest. You know, because everything smells like hops. The air smells like hops. The road (laughs) smells like hops. There's a green stripe down the middle of the road as you're going into uh, uh, into Yakima because the hop trucks are running all day. And a little bit will fall off the back of the truck over and over and over again, and all the traffic goes over it. And eventually, you have this dark green stripe down the middle of the road, and you can just smell it. It's just amazing. It's in the air everywhere, and you kind of, um, you know, you kind of come to understand that. That's beautiful.
5: Let's
1: get everybody, our other guests. Let's ask one question each of Garrett. Something you always wanted to ask him. Okay. <laughs> Enough of me talking about me. Why don't, right. why don't you talk? about Not about his hairstyle.
5: No, no, no fashion questions. <laughs> um, let's say. There's a Garrett Oliver music festival, not Brooklyn Brewery. Just Garrett Oliver, who headlines.
2: Uh, LCD Sound
4: System. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Kyle. Um, you mentioned West Coast versus East Coast hops. How are you seeing the New York hops coming? The second sort of generation of hops coming out. Still very young, but
2: still very young. Uh, they're oversubscribed, which is good. I mean, they have more, you know, more people looking for the hops than they, you know, than they have hops. Um, I see Willamette doing really well. I see some Cascade doing really well. Um, I haven't seen anybody growing some of the, you know, big, you know, West Coast bombs uh, yet. But some things are, are really doing well. And what you really need is people who understand processing, you know, et cetera, and are going to get the quality right off the farm and into a palletized form or into whatever form uh, uh, the brewery is going to use it in. Because unless it's a fresh hop. It has to be processed in some way, and what we are increasingly discovering is that drying temperature, time, et cetera, is crucial to what you're going to end up with.
3: Steven? Sure. Uh, Since the theme has been your greatest hits, uh, what would you say is your— Did you guys
2: know this before I
3: showed up? (laughs) (laughs) uh, Oxford Encyclopedia of Beer. (laughs) So what Uh, would you say is your next greatest hit? Ah, uh, I mean, uh,
2: it's, you know, it, it's it's so difficult to say. It's like I, I kind of feel like I'm not, uh, you know, there are things that, I, that I'm certainly uh, proud of. There are things that I'm worried about. There are things that, uh, you know, I'm hopeful for. Um, and so, you know, we have a nice uh, collaboration we've been working on for a couple of years with our friends at Thornbridge Hall Brewery in the U.K., uh, which is almost like a version of Local One aged on Tom Oliver cider leaves. You know, it's called Serpent. Uh, I was just over there for several days with uh, with Molly Browning, our barrel master, and uh, we spent you know days like hand bottling 27,000 bottles, you know each you know hand bottled corks by hand, wire cager, everything. Um, you know we had a we had a great team. We got it done. Now we're getting the bottles and re-fermentation. Re-fermentation's going well. You know, it's like, but boy, that beer has picked up some extra funkiness either from Brett or maybe the refermentation yeast is throwing a little bit of sulfur. It gases off really fast, but you're looking at, ugh, oh, it's been in the barrel for a year and a half. Like, is it going to, where is it going to fall in? And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, you do everything that you can and you have all of these uh, factors and you have wild yeast. And what many people don't appreciate necessarily is the element of risk. You know, is that, you know, there are things that are sure and there are things that are not sure. And if you're unwilling to do unsure things, then you can't be an artist. Um, And so, you know, you're that which which inevitably means that you will fail at some time. You know, the question is, when will it happen and will you have the grace to deal with it?
1: You're such an awesome guy, man. Your voice is better than mine. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and I love having
1: a show, but I don't I don't know know if anybody has a better voice. Than I'm you a better are. singer than him, though. But Garrett, uh, last thing. So for our, our listeners, if they come to New York City, how do they know about the Ghost Bottle releases and special things that happen at Brooklyn Brewery in Williamsburg?
2: <laughs> do they just go to the website. Uh, yeah. or what do they do? Yeah, yeah, the, the first rule of Ghost Bottle Night is you don't talk about Ghost Bottle Night. Uh, we we will tweet those things out. Um, so if you follow us on on Twitter and Instagram and you know and Facebook. You know, you'll find out about stuff that's going on or you can, uh, uh, You know, send us an email and uh, to put on Brooklyn Brewery. uh, Yeah, yeah, com. com. Go check the website. So there's constantly, you know, there are small things, big things, all kinds of stuff going on all the time. Great. And if you're listening live this weekend, there's two great annual Belgian beer
1: related events in New York City Muggs Ale House in Williamsburg. It has their like 10th or 15th annual Belgian (laughs) something weekend. Go there all weekend. He's got crazy stuff on tap. And Jimmy's number 43. It's like our 7th annual Battle of the Belgians. It started out. With all kinds of things But now it's like we're showcasing Just a lot of classic be- Belgian beers Including Saison and DuPont And I'd like to thank our sponsors At Union Beer Distributors Who helped to bring this podcast to you tonight Thanks to Garrett and Stephen and Kyle For joining me here on the Heritage Beer Network I'm Jimmy Carboni Thanks to our producers Justin Kennedy, Maggie Seiden, and our Engineer, Jack Ensley. Again, save the puppy Support Heritage <laughs> dot org. Wait, save w- the puppy. How's the puppy doing, guys?
5: Very it's, sad
1: It's still breathing uh, he's, he's doing well got to save the puppy. Heritage Radio Network.org sponsored this whole great
0: network. And no animals were harmed in the making
3: of this podcast. <laughs>
1: Thank you, yeah. we'll listen. Yeah. Hey, see you next time on Beer Assassins Radio. All right. <laughs>
0: Woo-hoo. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio.